Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? One of the greatest challenges for upper intermediate learners is to see progress in their English. We've had countless students coming to us with this problem. They already speak English quite well, but still have some things to improve. However, the problem is that although they're aware of this, they're not sure how to do it and they feel stuck at intermediate level. If this sounds like you, then be sure to keep listening because you'll find out the key to breaking out of the intermediate plateau. boys and girls, citizens of the world. This is Andrea from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient and effective way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're walking your dog, in the line at the supermarket or even sitting back on your chair. I'm joined in the global studio today by a very special guest, one member of the Real Life English team, Tiago. Welcome, Tiago. Hello, Andrea. Hello, everybody. Uh, very happy to be here. We're very happy to have you. Thank you so much for being here. So I don't think anyone has met you on the podcast yet, Tiago. So just to let everyone know, um, Tiago has been with us for quite a few months now. He's one of our lesson creators and teachers. So he is a really important part of all the lessons that we create for you on YouTube and also Instagram now too. So Welcome, Tiago. I'm very excited for today's topic. But let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. Let's find out who today's shout out is from. All right. So today's shout out is from Nguyen. And he says, I love this app. This one provides me with a professional English environment, but not too stiff to get bored. I think you should download this app to use it to learn a lot about how the native speakers use their language. And another reason, it's free. Amazing. So thank you so much, Nguyen. I'm really glad. Well, we're all really glad that you are loving the app. And don't forget that if you want us to shout you out, you just have to head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this and leave us a five-star review. This is also really great because it helps other people have fun learning with us. So with that said, let's listen to today's burning question. Hi, Ethan, Andrea. This is Fumiko from Japan. It's been about a few months since I started listening to your podcast. And I must say, your app is the best thing I have ever heard in my English learning history for over more than 30 years. So uh, my question is, how can I cope with silent pauses in conversation. Uh, well, uh, having silent pauses in conversation is awkward uh, 
even in our native languages. But、uh, when it comes to speaking in a foreign language, I feel very nervous. Yeah, thinking like、uh, that my conversational partner didn't understand what I have said, or maybe I have made uh, uh, grammatical mistakes. So please tell me if there are any tips how to overcome that kind of fear. Thank you very much in advance. So first of all, thank you so much, Fumiko, for your question. You speak great English and you're doing really well. And thank you for all your kind comments. Now this is a question that tends to come up quite a lot, Tiago.、Um, yeah. I I think this is a fear that many learners have. They kind of feel that they can't make pauses when they are having conversations. Whether it's time to think about what they want to respond, and then they kind of freak out and and think that they've made a mistake or the other person doesn't quite understand them. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, as a learner myself, I have definitely experienced that before. So yeah, it's absolutely normal. Yeah. So. That's the first thing that I would say is that it's normal. It's a normal part of learning, so don't be too freaked out when it happens. I think the more comfortable and confident you get in having conversations, the less likely this is to happen. Absolutely. And another tip that I could give you is、uh, maybe try to use some more fillers. During the conversation, as we we call them, right?、Uh, you know, a little words and expressions like,、um, "Well, I think, I mean, you know." Yeah, that's a really good tip. And we made a lesson on the Learn English with TV channel all about that that you can find. I think it's the, there's discourse markers in the title, possibly because that's the more technical word, but we like to say fillers. You can even think about if they're asking you a question, for example. You can use their question as a way to respond. That's going to give you a bit more thinking time, and yeah. But really, it goes back to don't worry too much about making mistakes. You are a language learner, and this is going to happen, and it's part of learning. It will get better, so stick with it. Absolutely. So. Don't forget that if you want to send us your burning question, you can do so. You can send me an email, Andrea at reallifeglobal dot com, and just record an audio stating your name, where you're from, and your burning question, and maybe you'll hear it on the podcast soon. And now let's move on to today's main topic. Hey there, real lifer! Have you downloaded the Real Life English app yet? On the app, Andrea and I will guide you beyond the classroom to live, learn, and even speak English in the real world. So, how do we do this? To start with, you can listen to the Real Life English podcast and Beyond Borders Talk Show, even this very episode, with digital transcripts, so that you can follow along and develop your listening fluency. Plus, check dozens of definitions of all the most difficult vocabulary. Idioms, phrasal verbs, slang, and so much more that you won't find anywhere else or in any other podcast. And how would you like to develop real-life speaking confidence at the touch of a button by speaking with other learners while making friends across cultures? Sounds like a dream, right? Well, now with the Real Life app, it will be a dream come true. 
Download the app to listen to our podcast with transcripts and definitions whenever and wherever you want, and speak with people from all around the world. What are you waiting for? Join our global community today by clicking the link in the description of this podcast or by going to www.reallifeglobal.com slash app, that's A-P-P, or simply search for the Real Life English app in the Google Play or Apple App Store today and let us guide you beyond the classroom to live and learn and speak English in the real world. Ah, yeah. So Tiago, I'm really excited for today's main topic because I know that it's something you're quite passionate about and something that you have helped many English language learners with. Would would I be correct in saying that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've always been fascinated by this idea of helping learners break free from the intermediate plateau and finally get to an advanced level. Because uh, I think every learner experiences that along the way. Uh, they see a lot of progress really quickly when they start learning the language, but then after a while, they seem to hit this plateau and um, they just don't see any progress anymore, or it's much harder to see progress. So then they start feeling frustrated because they have been studying for years, but they don't see any uh, visible progress anymore. So yeah, I mean, uh, that is definitely um, one of my passions for sure. And would you say that this happened to you in your language learning journey as well? It did. It did. Um, I think it's a, a natural part of the process, right? Everybody experiences that. But uh, one thing that is important to uh, remind the listeners here is that it's okay to experience that, but don't give up, you know, because if you stop in the middle of your journey, you're just never going to, you know, get there, you know, to that, you know, a result of fluency that you want to achieve, right? So um, it might seem a bit slower, yeah, uh, when you reach this um, intermediate plateau, but uh, it's important not to give up, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really important advice because it does happen to everyone. And I think that can be the easy option sometimes, but there is something you can do about it. So that's what we're going to be talking all about today is a way that you can actually start improving your vocabulary even more. And it's with a very simple trick, isn't it, Tiago? Would you like to introduce what the trick is? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, yes, improving your vocabulary is uh, one of the pillars, let's say, to get into advanced English or, you know, uh, becoming a more fluent speaker of the language. Uh, but when it comes to uh, improving vocabulary, you don't have to just, you know, learn new words. Uh, you can actually implement this very simple trick, which is what we call word formation. And we're going to talk more about this, but basically the idea of word formation is for you to use the words you already know and from them form other words that can be used in different contexts. Yeah, that's such great advice because I think, you know, we get a lot of questions as well about how can I learn new vocabulary? But this is a great place to start because with the vocabulary you already know, you can learn new words, but in a more simple way because you have the base of the word, you just have to change it slightly. So... What would you do to get started with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the way I like to go about it, Andrea, is I always I like to categorize the words. You know, uh, that has always worked for me very well. So I like to think of the words as nouns, verbs, adjectives, and adverbs. 
you know, like four categories. And then um, when I have a word, I always try to get to the bare root, as you said, of the word. And then from there, you can start adding uh, prefixes and, suff and suffixes, right? Because word formation is basically about that, is working with affixes. And affixes is the name we give to both prefixes and suffixes. One example uh, of that could be the word imperfectly. Yeah, so let's pick the word imperfectly. If you really break it down to its bare root, you're going to find that you have the word perfect, right? Which is an adjective. But then I add the suffix li, which then becomes perfectly. And then I can add the prefix m, which then becomes imperfectly. So that's what it is. From the root, you start adding either prefixes or suffixes to form new words. Yeah, so from the word perfect, you so you start with the word perfect, that's the first one, then you can have perfectly, then you could have imperfect, and then you could have imperfectly. So already that's four words there, just there with that one example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's a very simple trick. And uh, you will notice also that uh, the way you use these words uh, is different you know, in a sentence. So it's going to also uh, test your grammar skills and your, and your general knowledge of the structure of the language because mm. you use perfect in a way and perfectly in another way, right? Yeah, that's true. Based on the different word classes that you explained before, like you have the four categories and like sometimes each individual word will fall into one of these categories, won't it? So it's true. It Yeah, it leads on to really helping uh, your grammar because and your sentence structure and, and everything for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one example that just comes to mind is, let's say, uh, she's a perfect singer and she sings perfectly. You see? So two mm -hmm. different words being used differently. The structure is different, right? The, yeah. the word order and everything. Mm -hmm. So why would you say it's beneficial to learn affixes? Yeah, um, I could think of at least three reasons for that. Uh, reason number one, it helps with the word count. What I mean by this is, for example, instead of saying not aware, you could just use the prefix un and you could, you know, have the word unaware, you know? So instead mm -hmm. of using two words, you can use just one. Just like not sure, you can go unsure. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am unsure about this or I am unaware of this. Um, this is very helpful because first, it helps to communicate more um, precisely, right? In, in the sense that you don't have to use so many words to uh, convey an idea, right? Mm -hmm. And also, uh, this is very useful for uh, tests, right? If you ever happen to um, take a proficiency exam, such as the Cambridge exams or IELTS, for example, you're going to have to go through a writing test. And then usually they give you kind of a, a word count limit, right, that you have to follow. So you want to be able to communicate your ideas in writing using as few words as possible, yeah, so that you stay within that word count. That is one reason, yeah? Uh, so it helps you be more concise, yeah? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of, in a way, up levels your writing as well. Like not only would you be saving on words as part of your word count, because that can be quite tricky sometimes is sticking to the limit when you have a writing test or or task. But also it just sounds like a higher level to say unaware or unsure. It shows that, you know, your kind of English has advanced in that sense that that you can use this type of vocabulary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, still talking about the uh, unsure, right? There is another variation that you could try, which is the ensure, ensure, right? You use the prefix en. So instead of saying, for example, to make sure of something or to be sure of something, you could say to ensure something. Yeah. Mm. So that's another example of that. And are there any other reasons that you would say, uh, you know, it's a great idea to learn affixes? Sure. Uh, another reason could be the spelling, right? Uh, we, we know that in English, some words can be tricky to spell because they are full of double letters, right? So uh, by having a better understanding of affixes, right, that's going to help you also write the words correctly more often, you know. Uh, let's take, for example, the word unsuccessfully. If I tell you, the listener right now, to write it down, could you write it down? You know, grab a piece of paper or notebook and write this word down, unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully. That one is a bit tricky because it's full of double letters. So one way to help you ensure, right, or make sure that you spell it correctly is by first breaking the word down to its bare minimum or root, which in this, in this case is success, right? And then you will notice that the word success already has double C and double S. So you start from there, success, double C, double S. Then the next step is you can add the suffix full, which is F-U-L, so now you have successful. And then there is another suffix that you add, which is the li suffix. So you add that, and now you have successfully. Now notice that successfully is written with double L, while successful is written with one L. Why? Because as you add suffixes, you, you never delete or eliminate any letters. So you have successful which is already the L for the suffix full, and then adding the Li, now you have double L, the L for full and the L for Li. So successfully, double L. And finally, you can just add the prefix un at the beginning of the word, which is un, and now you have unsuccessfully. So uh, going through that mental process when you write a, a long word like this can be very helpful. You know, starting from the root, and then you just start adding affixes to it. Yeah, that makes really good sense and is a really good tip for helping with spelling. And you could even use it to decode the meaning of long words, right? You can kind of figure out sometimes there are affixes that we add to words that have a meaning as well, and it can be really useful to know these. Yeah, that's very true. Um, let's take, for example, the word spinelessness. That's a big word, right? A long word, mm -hmm. spinelessness, right? Um, if you break it down, you have spine and then suffix less and then another suffix ness. Uh, one thing that is very helpful here is understanding the idea or the meaning that the different suffixes and prefixes give. For example, if you have less, 
that gives you the idea of without, right? Mm-hmm. Like something is lacking. For example, cash, cashless, right? Cashless or cashless, that's without cash, right? So when you have spineless, right? Okay, we can understand that it's without a spine. Yeah? Yeah. And then understanding also the suffix ness, which is the idea of the state of something. Ness, the state or the condition of something. For example, kindness. Kindness is the state of being kind. So putting it all together, we have spinelessness. That's the state of being without a spine. <laughs> yeah. You know. And maybe we should just clarify there that if you're spineless, it doesn't mean that literally you don't have a spine, which is <laughs> the, the really long bone in your back that goes all the way from the, you know, like your neck all the way down to your bottom. Um but it's it's a way to describe someone that maybe lacks courage, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's a really great example. So already there you have like three reasons to learn affixes, which are all fantastic because they're going to help so many other areas of your language learning as well. So first, we're going to take a look at some noun suffixes. So some examples here are iety, as in sobriety, or, as in orator, c for secrecy, asian, as in altercation, your, as in closure, sounds a bit different when you put it together with, with some other letters, and ision, as in the word precision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that uh, sometimes when you add these affixes to the words, you might need to make some further spelling changes, like the case of closure, right? You have the word close or close, mm-hmm. right? But then when you write closure, yeah, the spelling is a little bit different. Sometimes you have to cut out some some letters. That's true, because, yeah, in the word close, it ends with an E. But in the word closure, that E gets knocked off and then the suffix is added. So, yeah, that's a really important point as well. Uh, the same with precise as well, isn't it? Precise ends with an E. It's got S-E at the end. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you change the word to precision, we knock off that E again and add the suffix. Absolutely. That's it. Some other interesting noun suffixes are ship for membership, just a Y, so the I sound for entry. Ness, that we mentioned earlier, like usefulness. Meant, as in amazement. Ism, as in optimism. And itty, as in simplicity. Yeah, uh, one thing that comes to mind now is, um, you know, one of the features, let's say, or characteristics of advanced English is being able to use more nouns, you know, either when you speak or when you write. For example, let's take the word simplicity, right? Uh, a, a more day-to-day way to say it would be, oh, this device is simple. That would be a more normal way to say this uh, phrase, right? You say that the device is simple. But if you just change that and use the noun instead, it changes your language level completely because you could go, what I love about this device is its simplicity. Mm. You know, so... Just by using that, it already gives you a more advanced kind of feel to your English. Definitely, yeah. It's taking your English from that intermediate level to advanced, definitely. 
So we've already looked at quite a few. We're going we're gonna to share a few more here some more noun suffixes as well. Um, so already you can see just how many new words you can create or learn from many words you probably already know. So there's ist as in psychologist, ens for dependence, om for boredom, er for payer, e for payee, hood for adulthood. Yeah. Uh, boredom, for example, is a great word, right? Because I'm sure that everybody knows the word bored. You feel bored sometimes or you watch a boring movie. But what do you call the noun or the state of that? We call it boredom. You experience boredom. Yeah. And I think that's a word as well that can be that can be quite tricky for some learners um, because they get confused maybe between something that is boring or being bored as well. Um, and maybe they don't know this word. So again, it just shows you how there's even another level to, to this word as well, just to make it even more confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Just a quick interruption to ask you a question. Do you ever feel frustrated when you are listening to a podcast, watching a TV series, or you are in a conversation in English and you do not understand what is said? Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our real-life Native Immersion course, we will take you on a 41-week real-life adventure of the English language, each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use your English in the real world. Just imagine understanding your favorite TV series without subtitles, or confidently speaking with someone and comprehending everything they say. You can do it, and we're here to help. And the best part is, you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. That's P-O-D. Or simply click the link in the description of this episode. And the final three are ants, like significance, all as in renewal, and age as in breakage. Mm -hmm. Again, the word breakage is great, right? Uh, If you have a breakage right? Something got broken. Yeah. So already that was probably more than 20 suffixes just for nouns. So you can imagine just, you know, if if you're really looking for something that's going to take your English to the next level, then this already is going to dramatically improve your vocabulary, your grammar, your sentence structures, everything. So with that said, let's move on to some adjective suffixes now. So some examples here are ori as in introductory, less as in sleepless, able or able as in approachable, ent as in persistent, ative as in argumentative, and eel as in managerial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's take the word managerial, for example. Yeah, um, When you become a manager at a company, for example, that's your position, right? You work with management. But you can also say that this position is a managerial position. So, for example, after many years of working hard, she finally got a managerial position 
at the company. Yeah, this is this is a really great exercise as well for for all learners, I think, because we often get asked questions about how to learn new vocabulary and how to just improve your vocabulary. And I think adjectives are something that learners tend to struggle with a lot as well. Like they want to move away from using the usual adjectives the what mm-hmm. might seem as the more boring ones or something and I think maybe this could be a really good place to start if you're starting out with this exercise um, because you can learn a lot of synonyms as well just from learning the different suffixes for words you already know maybe yeah that's very true and it's also important to try to use these new words by creating sentences with them, right, or phrases. Uh, don't just stop at forming the new words and understanding them, but, uh, you know, doing this exercise of trying to use these words in real phrases. Mm-hmm. So a few more uh, for adjectives are ick, as in allergic, us, as in luxurious, it again, for chatty, ibble, as in comprehensible, en, as in golden, and if as in comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally love the suffix n because uh, you can make verbs with it. For example, you have the word strength, right? Which is a noun. But just by adding n at the end, you have an action, a verb, strengthen. So I go to the gym to strengthen my body, for example. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and then finally we've got ish, as in childish, Aryan, authoritarian, and ant for significant. Yeah, the word childish is very common, right? Like we play childish games, for example, yeah? With our friends. Yeah, and I think sometimes we use this word even like we make up words with ish, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you're when you're saying that something is a little bit like something we kind of tend to add it on to the ends of words sometimes um which might be confusing because maybe it's not grammatically correct but it's just something that natives tend to do for example oh what color is that oh it's yellowish right (laughs) yeah exactly okay so moving on to verb suffixes we've got eight as in dominate n again as in shorten if i for beautify and eyes, either spelt with an S or a Z, as in economize. Mm-hmm. By the way, Angel, would you like to explain why uh, economize could be written with a Z or S? Yeah, so these words with these suffixes, usually in American English, they're spelt with a Z. And in British English, they're spelt with an S. So words like economize or organize you might see it spelt either way and it's usually just because it's spelt differently in some countries Mm -hmm. very interesting then just to reiterate the n suffix that en that we can put on the on the end of words as well some more examples are sweeten worsen and we mentioned strengthen you can also lengthen things (laughs) yeah right lengthen yeah that's it um uh, i also like the word worsen right because uh it's a let's say it's a more advanced alternative to saying that things got worse right so instead of saying that the situation has gotten worse 
You could also say that the situation has worsened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a lot more advanced for sure. Mm-hmm. So either by speaking it or even writing it in a text, that will automatically uh, take your English to another level. Great. So now we just have to look at adverb suffixes. So we'll go through them a little bit quicker, maybe. So mm-hmm. we have lots of words here with the suffix li, the L-Y. So you've got words like calmly, easily, carefully, angrily, suspiciously, hopelessly, scientifically like there are just so many I really love adverbs I think they're amazing (laughs) I remember when we were teaching in schools as well it was always something we really encouraged students to use in their writing to up level their own writing as well even when you're learning in school as a kid Um, yeah so these are some fantastic words to improve your vocabulary as well. Yeah, they do sound fancy yeah? when you read them or when you write them, right? Yeah. yeah. So thinking about adverbs, there's something called linking adverbs, right? Yeah, and these are especially useful for writing or for connecting ideas within sentences. Yeah, and I remember... You know, I'm just thinking back to my teaching days in schools again. I remember going through a a phase where you're teaching children to use some of these at the start of their sentence as well, like to have more interesting sentence openers, but they don't actually have to be used always at the start of sentences. They can be used in other areas too. So would you like to share an example with us, Tiago? Yeah, sure. Uh, One example could be the, the, the linking adverb conversely. Yeah, I really like that one because it's used to contrast, right? Contrasting uh, two ideas within a phrase. So it's an alternative to on the other hand. You know, uh, we have on one hand and then we say something. On the other hand, and then we contrast. Uh, It's kind of the same idea. Here's an example. Poor health is accepted as an attribute of normal aging. Conversely, youth is depicted as a time of vitality and good health. Mm, that's a really great example. Yeah. Super advanced, like sentence, sentence there. Yeah. So another one we have here is consequently. What does that mean? And how would you use this one? Yeah. Consequently is a great one as well to express result, right? The consequence or the result of something. Uh, let's say, for example, nobody bought the product. Consequently, the company went under. Uh, this is a much more sophisticated way uh, to replace so, right? So is a very common linking word for consequence, right? So I, uh, I would normally say nobody bought the product, so the company went under, right? But if you're looking to push your level a little bit, uh, you could use consequently instead. Yeah. And going back to what we mentioned earlier as well about word limits and things like that, like you could even maybe say in this sentence, nobody bought the product as a result, the company went under, but instead of using as a result, that's three words, you can use this one word consequently, which means the same thing. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. And just in case uh, people aren't quite sure what it means, what does it mean if a company went under or if a company goes under? Yeah, basically the company uh, runs out of business, right? Uh, It has to close down. Uh, Another word for that is to go bankrupt, right? So basically when a company fails, right? And has to close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So actually, up to now, we've really focused a lot on suffixes. So we're going to take a quick look at some prefixes as well. But if you have enjoyed this topic and you would like to learn more about prefixes, you can just let us know by commenting wherever you're listening to this from or sending us a DM on Instagram, for example, or an email. You can contact us and let us know. So what are some prefixes that can be used in terms of improving your vocabulary this way, Tiago? Yeah, one could be M, right? Which is I am in words such as immature, immoral, and impossible. It's important to mention again that whenever you add something to the word, be it a suffix or prefix, uh, especially when you have a, a, a case of double letter, right? You never cut out the extra letter. So for example, you have the word mature, which already has M, at the beginning. By adding another M from the prefix M, you're going to keep both M's there. So immature is spelled with double M. So there is no need for you to cut out uh, one of those letters. Yeah. And also this makes the the meaning of the word more negative, doesn't it? Because obviously if you're mature, then you know you don't act like a child. You're able to act in in a way that's more kind of accepted and to deal with a problem, for example. Whereas if you're immature, it's the opposite. Yeah, that's true. So it has the opposite idea, just like words like uh, illegal, for example. Yeah, legal, illegal. So something that is not legal. Yeah, so that's another prefix, the I-L. And again, it follows the same rule as what you've just explained, how so illegal will have a double L because the word legal begins with an L. Is there another one that's similar to this? Uh, we also have uh, IR or ER, right? Such as irregular or irresistible. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got some that are actually, rather than just being a couple of letters, they're words, right? Yeah, and they also have different meanings. Eh? Uh, they don't necessarily mean the opposite. For example, over. We have overwork, for example. The idea of over is to do something too much, right? So you overwork, you work too much, for example. Yeah, and if you overcook something, you cook it too much. Maybe it makes it very dry or you can even burn it. And then you've got under as well. Yeah, for example, undercook or underpaid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it means that you don't cook it enough or maybe you're not being paid enough. And then finally, we've got pre and post. So we have here prehistorical, predetermined and postgraduate. So what does it mean if something is prehistorical? Yeah, we can understand that pre comes before something, right? So prehistorical, maybe before history as we know it in our modern society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one word that I've been using a lot lately, prenatal as well, because (laughs) as you guys now know, I am pregnant, but the baby has not arrived yet. So we refer to anything while the baby is still in the mom's womb as prenatal and anything afterwards is postnatal. So that's a good example there as well. (laughs) Very nice. An important thing to mention here is that this topic of word formation has a lot of potential. Yeah, so simply by focusing on this topic alone, that's going to help you tremendously when it comes to, you know, having more of a uh, advanced English, let's say. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a great trick. It's a great tip. And we really hope that you enjoyed today's topic and that you've learned a lot. You can even let us know how you're going to use this trick to improve your own vocabulary or your own level of English. But it's a great place to start, as we said at the beginning, if you are stuck in that intermediate plateau. This is something that you can start with today. So thank you so much, Tiago, for joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you and to hear all about this trick that you've used successfully. Thank you so much, Andrea. I was very happy to be here and hope we can do it again sometime. And we will see you next week on the Real Life English podcast. One, two, three. Bye. Yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.